So while we're doing that, I want to talk about my shoes. So um, <clears throat> it's going to be a good sermon. You start talking about shoes right off the bat. Uh, so here's what happened is uh, we got these shoes. Uh, my wife or I bought them. I don't remember. At probably like a Nordstrom's rack or something. And, and they were the kind of shoes where you pay extra because they look worn. You know how you do that? You buy jeans that look like somebody else has been wearing them for 10 years, and you pay extra for that. And so these shoes uh, had the, the toes kind of rubbed off of them and looked like they'd been worn. And they're brand new, but they, they, that was the, the designer had done that. So uh, I was in Africa last uh, summer, and uh, <clears throat> we were getting ready to get on a little bus and uh, go out into the bush and see some of the new churches, the the pastors, the group of pastors that I work with there had started, and, and one of them called me over, and he's one of the leaders, and he says, Apostle, that's what they call me in Africa, I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> and, and he says, come here, come here, come here. And so he says, get my car, get my car. So I get in the back seat of his car, he goes, take your shoes off, take your shoes off. And he's in the front seat. And I said, okay. So I go, and I look up, and he's polishing them. And I was like, you know, I didn't want to say it. Those reasons I brought those is because they're going to get beat up in the bush and they'll look even more like they're supposed to look. And, and he's polishing, he's working hard, you know, he's making them shine. He's pol- then the next, thing, the next day did the same thing. And I didn't say a word to him because I knew what he was saying. So when I'm in Africa, they say a lot how much they appreciate me coming. And the way they say it is they say, we just want to appreciate you. We just want to appreciate you. And that, that's how they say it all the time. And hundreds of people have said that to me probably. I don't remember too many of them individually. But I'll never forget the guy who shined my shoes. And what he was saying is, we appreciate you. We appreciate you coming here. Either that or I'm embarrassed of you. But I don't know which I couldn't decide which. Because actions speak. Right? We know this. This is Valentine's Day this weekend. Some of you guys are still trying to get out of the doghouse because you forgot that actions speak. Because <laughs> saying I love you is not the same as a box of chocolates or flowers or diamonds. Um, for those who really messed up. Anyway, so, so all right, now take that, take that little mind thing, that little, that little you know, uh, actually speak louder than words, all right? Take that and put it right over here. And we're going to do something next. All right, you, you guys up for something fun today? Yeah, okay, all six of you. The rest of you are going to do it anyway. All right, so here we go. Stand up. Everybody stand up. Here we go. Stand up. We're going to do a little acting lesson, a little acting thing, a little tryout maybe. We're looking for new actors, a little tryout, right? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a scenario, and when I say action, I want you to respond the way you'd respond, all right? Ready? All right, so the first one is you're at the airport, and a, f- a longtime friend of yours is flying in, and I want you to react the way you're going to react the first moment you see each other in the airport, all right? Ready? Action. All right, all right, pretty good. I still see some of you going, this is not what you do in church. Well, we do in this church. All right, so here we go. All right, so next one is, your team just won the Super Bowl action. All right, all right. How about your team just lost the Super Bowl action? A little too soon for some of you, wasn't it, on that one? Just a little fresh, huh? a little raw, okay. All right, so how about this one? Last one, here we go. Last one. You are seeing, it could be a grandchild, it could be, uh, it could be a nephew, niece, it could be a, a son or daughter. Brand new baby, you're seeing them for the first time. Action. All right, you can sit down. Now, what's kind of funny is the last one, uh, the last one, we got a different response to the service. Uh, so the last one, all the women know what to do. Every woman knows what to do. Oh, uh, uh, And the guy's like, except for this guy. He said, mine. Oh, okay. What if it was the neighbor's kid? Then well, whatever works. Okay, good. All right. So 
Here's the deal. Now, here's what's interesting about that little exercise. You might not have find it interesting, but I thought it was hilarious watching your people speak. Um, so here's the deal. On all of those occasions, not one of them, other than you who didn't want to play, uh, did you just stand there and go, oh, hey, great to see you. No, because you reacted, you reacted with your voice, you thought about the words you were going to say probably, and with your body. Oh, it's so great to see you. Yay, my team won. Oh, my team lost, right? Because your body is a part of who you are. The problem is that in Western culture, and certainly in Western spirituality, we have come to believe that, that our body is, is separate from the rest of us. But we, we, we betray that belief because every time we go to a ball game, every time we see someone we love, our body is involved in that process. Why is it then that when we come to church or we uh, think about spirituality, we think it's a purely internal kind of thing? It's what I think about God. It's how I feel about God. It's my spirit. It's my soul. But why is it not your body as well? Sometimes it breaks into church services a little bit. Some of you will clap occasionally, you know, and some of you will tap your feet carefully so nobody sees you know and some will even raise your hands but what's interesting is we are created in God's image not just internally but he gave us a body as well and if our spirituality if our Christian faith is supposed is is to be what it's supposed to be it will include my mind my soul my spirit and my body and so it's important that we bring our body, whether it's raising hands at worship or kneeling to pray, including our body, you read scripture again and again, you'll find that the body was a part of the worship experience and a part of their, their faith experience. And we just don't do very well at that in Western Christianity, I don't think. So we are doing a series on fasting. Now you're like, oh, fasting. No, 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 don't go there. Just don't let yourself go. Because it's actually, it's really good. And so we're going to talk about that today. I want you to understand about it. And so uh, fasting. What fasting does is it, it helps us to bring our body and our mind and our spirit, our soul, all in unity. I mean, I, I've had on occasion when you're talking to someone and they're telling you something very sad and, and yet they're smiling and they're, and you're going, it's not matching up. Sometimes I think our Christianity is inhibited because we're not matching up what we're doing with what we're thinking and what we're wanting to be. And so fasting helps us kind of get those in line. You say, well, what is, what is fasting? Well, fasting is, is just to, to set aside some pleasurable experience um, for a period of time in order to spend more time praying and, and thinking about God. I mean, that's a broad sense. Uh, historically, it's been mostly food, but whether you call it fasting or abstinence, you can, you can fast TV, you can fast social media, you can fast any number of things. The point is that it needs to be a little bit sacrificial, and it needs that same time or, or focus on that thing it needs to be spent not on that during that period, but on God, okay? And so this whole idea of fasting is an important spiritual discipline. And, uh, and so we'll talk more about that in a moment. Let me, let me just talk about why we struggle with fasting. Why when I first said fasting, you went, Ugh, right? Because you have a wrong understanding of your body, okay? So your body is a part of God's gift to you and is a part of your Christian faith and you're responding to God and we have wrong images of our body. Some of us think our body is, is this monster to be held at bay at all times, you know? We turn it loose, this thing's gonna go crazy. We just gotta keep it suppressed all the time. But what's interesting is that God gave us a body and all those things you like to do with your body, um, God created those. Now, he didn't maybe 
create you doing it with who you're doing it with or whatever, but he created the body, okay? So let's not look at the body as a monster. It's a gift from God, all right? And yeah, sometimes we need to curb our appetite, just some, as sometimes we need to change our thinking and other things, right? So the first one is not a monster at all. Um, that, that kind of mindset led some early church fathers, ascetics, to do weird things like live on top of poles and in towers and not eat much food and, and starve to death, basically, because they misunderstood the body is a gift. It's not bad. It's, it's good. It's just not um, the whole you, um, your spirit, your soul, your mind, along with it. Another, another way that we oftentimes uh, misunderstand, especially in modern culture, American, Western culture, is that we think the body is a celebrity, the body is a celebrity, and then if we can just we can just make it, give it whatever it wants, and make it beautiful. If we just got the tight buns and the nice abs and whatever it is, then it, that life is going to be great. Problem is that leads in an extreme to narcissism, in which uh, we just end up with a long trail of broken relationships and and lack of accomplishments because we spend all of our time trying to make our body fulfill a need that only God can fulfill. So that doesn't really work too good, either. Um, <clears throat> So we, we kind of think about that. We think our body is a, maybe we think our body is like a, a cornucopia or a basket. And Scott McKnight talks about these. And he says, <clears throat> many times in Western culture, we think that our body is just that thing that provides us pleasure. So give it whatever it wants. There used to be a saying back in the 60s, if it feels good, do it. Which is one of the dumbest things you've ever heard if you think about that for a minute. And it's just really stupid. But that whole hedonistic mindset that if it feels good do it just give my body what it wants because life the point of life is a maximum of pleasure minimum of pain and and then you die is also a wrong understanding of our bodies as well they were given to us for a purpose yes pleasure but also other things and then lastly um is this idea that and this really has invaded um Western Christianity, but it started very early on in Christianity, and it's kind of, it's kind of a neo-Gnosticism, which it says that my spirit, my mind, my soul, those are the spiritual things. My body over here is a physical thing, and the only reason I have a body is because I need a shell to house these other things. And so these are the holy ones, these are the important ones, these are the spiritual ones, and this over here is physical, so it doesn't matter what I do with it. I overheard an argument this week, it's really interesting. And uh, they were speaking a different language, and they, they raised their voice, and they weren't mad, but I could tell they're getting a little excited about it. And so I asked someone to interpret for me, <laughs> and it was so funny because I said, "What are they arguing about?" He said, "God." And I went, "Oh, this okay. I know this argument. Let's talk." So he says, "I said, what's going on?" He goes, "Well, that one over there. He says that that religion is about knowing God, about having a relationship with God, and the other one over there says that as long as they go to church, they can do anything else they want the rest of the week." Now, that is this neo-Gnosticism thing happening that if, I, if I'm good with God in my head and in my heart, then my body, I can just do whatever I want with it. But if I have, so think about Jesus. When he, when he called the disciples to follow him, it wasn't, I want you to uh, have a, a right understanding of me and have your spirit in line with me. No, he said, follow me. That means get up bodily, bring your whole self and follow me. And so one of the things that we struggle with is, is getting our whole self lined up and in unity in following Jesus. And so one of the things that fasting or any spiritual discipline that includes our body can help us do is kind of get that all in unity, all kind of working together. And so we believe that fasting is, is a wonderful opportunity to grow. And, and if you doubt that it's important, listen to Matthew. Matthew 9 
John the Baptist's disciples come to Jesus and say, hey, we're always fasting. Why don't you guys fast? And here's what he says. <clears throat> then John's disciples came to him and asked, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. Now, there's lots of places in Scripture that just assume that we will fast from time to time. And, and so let's examine that a little further and see why we might do that and what the outcomes might be of that. So one is for spiritual fitness. Some of us have gotten flabby spiritually. And, uh, and so, so one of the things we need to do is we get, a little, we get a little flabby and we've been taking in some empty spiritual calories and not really addressing what we need. Um, and one of the kind of examples of this is that um, I, I can't remember who the author was. I read an author recently who said that we spend so much time nibbling on lesser things or smaller things that when it comes to feed on the greater things that God has for us, we're already kind of full. In other words, we spend so much time on lesser things. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God. That's the greater things. And the other stuff, all the other stuff, the lesser things will get taken care of. Seek first the kingdom of God. So one of the things we do is when we've kind of allowed our focus to get off track and we kind of get caught up in the things of the world, maybe we get caught up in, in our financial situation or in just the busyness of raising kids or whatever it is, sometimes a fast will cause us to just kind of break that habit, to wake up and go, nope, I've lost focus here. I'm getting a little spiritually out of shape here. I need to get back on track. And it's a great way to refocus, to get back uh, in tune with that. And it helps us then to begin. So part of what happens is we can very easily, because our appetites are strong, we have strong appetites, physical appetites. We have a lot, but the problem is, as strong as those appetites are, the, the, the things that they lead us do, to do, um, the appetite for food, for example, will never fill our deepest hunger. Our deepest hunger is to know the God who created us and to know why he put us here. Those are our deeper hungers, and no matter how much food I eat, I'm never going to get that hunger satisfied in that way. So sometimes you have to take a little time out. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to set aside food for a while because here's what happens. After a while, we begin to worship the gifts instead of the giver. You can't worship the gifts. You got to worship the giver and experience, enjoy the gifts. That's great. That's why I gave them to you. But, and a gift could be any number of things. But if I begin to think the gift is going to bring the answers in my life, the direction, the meaning, the satisfaction, all this stuff, then I'm worshiping the wrong thing. So sometimes we take a fast from something and we say, you know what, I'm going to not do that for a few days here. And I'm going to focus on the one who's given me the gift so that he and I can become closer and I can be more aware of his presence and he can begin to direct me and guide me. So that's a part of what fasting does is it helps us not only deal with our appetites, but put them in right perspective and remind us who has given us the gifts that we receive. Now, <clears throat> we oftentimes want to, want to uh, say, well, I'm a Christian. I, lots of people, I'm a Christian, and, and I'm committed and so on. But sometimes actions speak louder than words, right? And so th there's this story in the Old Testament. It's Abraham and Isaac. You guys remember this story? It's one of the most um, disconcerting stories of all of Scripture for me. And so if you don't know the story, Abraham is told by God to take his son, his only son, up on a mountain and sacrifice him. And, and what? <laughs> right? You know, what? Now, to Abraham, that wouldn't have been as shocking as it is to us. There are lots of religions around him that were doing human sacrifice at that time in history. So it probably wouldn't have been as shocking, but still, it's your son and this And so he takes him up there, and if you remember the story, God provides uh, a way out, and he doesn't have to kill his son. And so first of all, the whole story is just disconcerting, especially in our cultural context. But 
Uh, it's a, by the way, just an aside theologically, it's a type of Christ because that's exactly what God did for us. He was painting a picture of the kind of sacrifice he would make for us one day so we could be reconciled, and that was a part of what it was about. But it was also a, a testing of Abraham. It was Abraham committed to this God that had, had led him and, 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 and brought him to this place. And so if you think about it for a moment, you think, well, God knows everything. Why didn't God just know that that's what Abraham would do? And there's a pretty good chance God did, but Abraham didn't. You see what I'm saying? In other words, Abraham had to go up there and to prove that he was actually willing to follow God. And he had to prove it to himself. Because a lot of us say, you know, I'll do this or I'll do that until we get right up to it. We don't know if we'll do it or not, to be really honest. Right? We think we'll, we'll be committed. We think we'll do this thing. But until we get right to it, I, you're not sure. And because actions speak louder than words, even to your own self your level of commitment. So you're thinking, well, it's just a little bit of food and it's no big deal. I can pass on that. And about the third day of hamburger, you're starting to feel like God. I'm just telling you right now, you're ready to fall down and worship in and out. But anyway, um, but what you find in that is that you really have more ability with God, more ability to make changes, to make adjustments, to follow through than you ever thought. And so one of the things that happens in our, in our fasting is we learn to depend on God and we learn about who God's making us to be stronger than we ever thought we would be with his help. So if you're a little spiritually flabby, fasting is a great way to get back on track. Now, what about those who are spiritually sincere? You're on track, you're loving God, you're reading your Bible, you're trying to do life right. Well, I think there are times for fasting there, and there are a couple of different ones. One is just times of breakthrough. Whether you're weightlifting and you hit a, a maximum weight and you just can't break through it and you need a new technique or something new to get you through that, or I hear runners say that they hit the wall and, and then you got to break through that wall, and in, unless the wall is between me and my car, I'll probably never experience that, but the runners seem to talk about that. And there are times in our spiritual growth as well that we need to break through. I'm stuck. I'm feeling, I'm either feeling far from God or I just don't feel like I'm growing. I'm going forward. A fast is a wonderful way to kind of break through to that next thing. Maybe you're trying to figure out where it is that you're supposed to, supposed to serve in the kingdom and you're going, oh, I tried this, I tried that. How am I? Fasting is a wonderful way to know God better and to receive his guidance. I don't know if you ever had this experience, but uh, for me, I've had uh, this on some occasions in which... Um, there are those times where I go to prayer and I know there's an issue that I need to deal with and me and God have a conversation and if I'm really smart, I'll go take care of it, right? But there are other times when I'm in prayer and there's an inner dissonance. There's something kind of in the back of my brain or in my spirit, if you will, that's just not right, but I can't put my finger on what the problem is. One of these, I remember one of these happening uh, about a year ago. And uh, and, and I had a, and, and I, I thought everything was good. Me and my wife are good. I'm spending time in prayer. I'm doing all the stuff, right? And yet there was this inner kind of nails on chalkboard kind of feeling in somewhere in the back of my brain. And I began to pray and I realized in my prayer time, it wasn't something I had done or not done. What, it, what was going on is I had a very good friend who I've known for 30 years who was um, in the clutches of addiction and was just melting down, just self-destructing. And it really had gotten to me on a much deeper level than I realized. I'm a pastor. I see this all the time. I'm supposed to be able to deal with this, right? And yet this person, because I loved them and I cared for them, had, it was just gotten to me on a level I didn't realize. And, and in prayer, I was able to not only identify what that thing was that had kind of been hovering around me for a few days, but I was able to pray to a point of breakthrough. And what I mean by that is point to, to pray to a point where I was at peace, I knew God was in control, and that he loved my friend even more than I did, right? 
Sometimes in fasting and in prayer, we have to have that kind of a breakthrough to trusting God more, especially when it's something beyond our control, right? And so that's a wonderful gift that happens during fasting that we want to be aware of. Now, this fasting thing we're talking about, we, we did a fast back in the fall, some of the staff did here, and it was a, we did a Daniel fast, so not a, not a no food kind of fast, but for 21 days we did a Daniel fast, and that's kind of a, taken from the book of Daniel, and it's kind of, if I were to describe it in modern terms, kind of a vegan minus the flour and sugar thing. It's kind of what it's like. So in other words, you don't get to eat anything. But um, <laughs> it's not that bad, really. But uh, but we did it, and it was such a positive experience for us. We did it in, in preparation to prepare ourselves for raising money for the new building. Just, God, what do you want us to do? And we want to make sure we're right on this deal and we're not just going off. And, and as a staff, it was such a positive experience. We decided we would bring it to the whole congregation because it was a wonderful outcome. And so some of you are going, fasting, i got to fast. No, you don't got to do nothing. Don't do anything. But... If you want to step into an opportunity for spiritual growth, I think this is a wonderful way to do it. Now, you may choose a fast TV or social media or something else. Um, for us, we're, a whole bunch of us are going to do a, uh, uh, the Daniel fast again. And, and it's just, it is a time of moving forward in your faith. By the way, the re- we don't fast in order to get something. Oftentimes, after a fast, God does something miraculous oftentimes. But that's not why you do it. You don't, it's not like, God, I'm going to do this, so you owe me. God doesn't know you squat. Okay, let's just get that straight right off the bat. All right, never ever does God ever owe you squat. All right, so good. That's a little theme you might live by. Um, so, but the point of fasting is to draw close to God. And as I'm spending time, more time with God, more focused on my relationship with God, sometimes he does something incredible. But that's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it to draw close to God. Here's what we know about spiritual growth, is that whenever we're trying to grow spiritually, there's going to be opposition there's going to be opposition, whether it's your circumstances or even just people. It, it's not going to be easy, and yet it'll be okay. You'll be fine. God will give you the strength. You just keep going, and you don't pull into In-N-Out Burger. Anyway, so uh, a couple of things I'll, ma- I'll make it uh, aware of. One is we have printed copies, for uh, a few printed copies, and then all this is online. We have a, a guide for fasting. You can kind of read through and see what kind of fast you want to do and some ideas on that. Uh, and, and so on our website, as well as some printed copies out there. We also, because we believe this is a spiritual advance, a spiritual advance, we have written, we are staff, everybody, my, me, Cody, even my daughter and my wife, a bunch of our staff, we wrote a 21-day devotional. So one, each day we wrote a devotional for you to read because a part of fasting is not doing the thing you've decided to not do, but then to focus on God through reading scripture and prayer. And so the devotionals aren't about fasting. They're about all kinds of stuff, okay? And so we will give you those. We'll send you, if you'll sign up right there, if you'll sign up, we'll send you uh, one every day. For those of you who don't do the computer or you're fasting your computer skills for the next 20 days, we do have a few printed copies out in the lobby. And we will just give you a little thing to meditate on. Think about a little, little inside devotional for the day. And so here's what you do. You don't do the thing you're not going to do. You do pray. You do read God's word. Uh, and I'm going to add one for you. Keep a journal. Buy a little 30 cent, or they're probably $3, probably $30 now, I don't know, at the office max, I don't know. They, a, little, a little journal just to write in, and just, what is that about? Because I believe that God will do something pretty incredible in the next 21 days if you decide to fast. He, he doesn't have to, we, God is sovereign, and yet in my experience, something in the next 21 days will say, oh my, and you look at it and you go, oh my goodness, that was definitely God. And write down who you're praying for. Write down what you're praying for. Write down just your thoughts as you read scripture. You know, sometimes in my prayer time, especially during times of fasting, I just have the most creative solution, uh, solutions come to my mind. 
Isn't that a coincidental? Isn't that interesting, right? Or I see more clearly a relational situation that I can resolve or whatever it might be. And so just keep a journal. And at the end of the 21 days, just go back and review it because you'll be surprised what happened because you decided to take a little extra time with God. And so I want to encourage you to do that. And, and, and don't be legalistic about it. If you blow it one day and you eat something you're not supposed to, don't worry about it. It's not going to send you to hell. Two days, however. No. <laughs> And another time to fast is um, when, when you're in trouble or you, have, you recognize a need. And this is oftentimes when we're most uh, kind of inclined to fast. Um, and the point of fasting is not to get something from God. The point of fasting is to respond to a moment in which you recognize a need. So one of the needs you might recognize, Israel did this quite often, was repentance. In other words, I've kind of been going the wrong direction. God, I got to get to, maybe it's for the very first time, um, but the way you would express sorrow and repentance is to do something physically. And so Israel would do sackcloth and ashes, and they would, and they would, I'm not asking you to do that. But I am saying that you might want to take a fast. Say, Lord, I got to get back on track here. I've been doing my own stuff, and I know it's not right. It's not what you want me to do. I need to, I need to say I'm sorry for that. And maybe for the next few days, I'm going to set aside something that has been detracting me. Here's what it, it says in Joel 2.12. Even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. And so he says that, yes, if you've really messed up, and all of us have messed up, but if you're really struggling with something, you need to get it right. Repent and spend a few days without some stuff and spend that time with God and, and just let your actions say that you're sorry, not just your words. And I think God receives that from a contrite heart. Um, another thing that happens during fasting, especially during times of repentance, but in all fasting, is, is that we uh, begin to see more clearly our own inadequacies and see his adequacies. In other words, we think we're running this show until we stop to look and we realize we're not so much running the show. The show may be running us or maybe uh, God is doing something here, but I'm not in charge as much as I think I am. And at the end of the day, most of what I need to get done in life, I'm going to need God's help. And it's a wonderful realization that I not only need to depend on God, but that I can and that he's there for me. And uh, that really helps. Um, another thing that happens oftentimes under the, under the heading of um, inadequacies is... Um, Sometimes in fast, times of fasting, we begin to, or our dysfunction begins to reveal itself. And the problem with fasting is you can't go medicate it with food. You know what I'm saying? You have an uneasiness about a relationship, or you have some self-doubt, or some worry, or whatever it is. You can't just go stuff your face and make it go away. You need to deal with it, which is an incredibly healthy thing to do, because God is waiting there and says, hey, let's walk through this. Let's grow through this. Let's help you become healthier and more whole. And so repentance is one of those times when we can fast. Another time that we can fast is, is for guidance, when we need God's direction. It's Remember, it's a time to get close to God. And what better time to receive direction or insight than when we're really being close to God. My wife uh, will come in and if she wants to have an important conversation with me, she'll sit down and she'll say, honey, I need to talk to you. And when you're ready, please turn the TV off and we can talk. And I'm like, oh no, I can, I can watch and listen. She said, no, you really can't. <laughs> and she's right. Um, uh, so uh, sometimes we just need to turn TV off. And so if you're trying to hear from God about something, you're trying to hear something, well, turn the noise down around you, uh, turn the volume down, and spend some time with God. Why not? You never know what he might guide you into and lead you into. Another thing that is important about fasting is that it actually reveals, like with Abraham and Isaac, the seriousness of um, 
of where we're at in our spiritual journey, that we're serious about moving forward. We're not earning God's favor. He doesn't give brownie points. But sometimes we need to be serious. My friend Alex Matala, who's the, the head of the movement of churches in Africa that I work with, um, many years ago when I first started working with him, he introduced me to a whole crowd of pastors, and he said, and these are serious people. And I'm like, what does that mean? I'm like, don't tell jokes. What's he trying to tell me? I don't know. And, um, but in spending time with them, I realized they're hilarious. They're just having fun, and they make fun of each other, and they laugh, and, and it's just wonderful. And so I'm thinking, what is he talking about? But as I listen to him, both talk to these pastors and even the students in the school that he, he started, um, A, he's one of the most affirming people I've ever met anywhere. And B, I realized what he meant by serious in a country, in a continent that has been ravaged by short-term thinking result in and seeking immediate pleasures resulting in HIV AIDS on levels that we can't imagine in this country. When he says serious, he's talking about people who have decided to take serious the long-term view of their life and their kingdom impact and not going to settle for short-term pleasure that's basically killing people all around them. And so I began to realize that when he said serious, it was, it was an important word. And I wondered, I began to think about our own congregation and my own experience, my own spiritual journey, am I serious about it? Could he say that about me, that I'm a serious person when it comes to my faith? And I began to think that maybe fasting is one of those ways that we prove to ourselves that we're serious, that this means something to me. As we draw close to God, I think he not only guides us and helps us understand things better, but I think something else happens, something pretty important happens. And that is that we begin to look at the world maybe and feel about the world the way that God does a little bit more. And we begin to allow him to kind of rub off on us in this sense that my first thought, so I, I'm one of those people that goes through life and I'm in a competition. It doesn't matter if we're driving on the freeway or we're in line at the grocery store. By the way, one of the worst things is Chick-fil-A because they got the two lines. And if I choose the wrong line, it pretty well ruins my day. I'm not lying. As a person who kind of on autopilot would be that person, when we increase our time with God and, and, and sensing God's presence and thinking about how God responds respond to the world in which we live, we begin to think about how God feels about what's in front of us. This person isn't an obstacle. There's someone who's been hurt, and they're acting out. And so what, as an agent of God, as a matter of fact, the Scripture were called administrators or agents of reconciliation, honking at them or yelling at them or running over them is probably not an option, whether actually or metaphorically, either way. But I begin to try, not even try, it just becomes kind of automatic. I begin to see God uh, them in light of what God feels about them. What, so when we hear uh, a dysfunction in our society, we want to blame a political party or a leader or whatever it is. But what if the next time we see a dysfunction in our society, we realize that when God sees violence, he is grieved. When God sees injustice, he is grieved. When God sees children without hope or marriages falling apart, he is grieved. I think one of the most wonderful outcomes of fasting and drawing near to God in that way is to begin to feel about the world the way maybe God feels about the world. So the reason we decided to call this fast is we had, we had just had a great time fasting. This is not a heavy duty kind of woe is me kind of thing. By the way, we're strictly forbidden from feeling that way about fasting in scripture, right? Because that, that would be doing it for all the wrong reasons. 
One of the reasons we came out of this wonderful experience in the fall of fasting, we realized that there is a need. If you read the scripture, fasting, especially among in Israel, but most fasting in scripture is in response to a need, a sacred and serious moment that requires God's intervention. Whether it was Israel needing to repent or Israel being up against uh, invaders, whatever it was, uh, it was usually as an apostasy with Israel, but they would fast because there was a serious, sacred moment of need. We as a staff have been thinking and praying for quite a while about um, the people within driving distance of this church who don't know Jesus, especially younger people of the next generation, that we feel like there is a sacred and serious need. If there's not a revival among the next couple of generations, um, it's going to change our country, not for the better. Uh, and, and there's a lot more lives that won't experience God's love and the reconciliation that has changed so many of our lives. And it kind of came to a point for us where we feel like this is a serious, sacred moment. And that if we don't take serious the opportunities and responsibilities we have to share God's love with people who don't yet know, that we are missing a part, maybe the most important part of why we're here on this earth. And so we said, let's invite the congregation. Let's come together for a fast and let's see who God would lead us to pray for. Let's see if God would allow his heart to be reflected in our hearts. And by taking the action of having a fast and feeling the feelings that God has for lost people, we might take another action. We might share we might risk a momentary discomfort to share an eternal truth with someone. We might leverage a relationship so that they could hear that God loves them and could take them to heaven when they die. You see, the, the outcomes could be incredible. And so we kind of did this as an experiment. We just kind of said, let's do this. Let's call a church fast. And you fast whatever you need, whatever you want. I'm fasting food. I'm going to do a, a Daniel fast. And, and let's see if we can't hear from God we can't feel God's um, concern for the world in such a way that it would motivate us to take a next step. And I don't even know what the next step is for every one of us. It might be different for all of us. It, it, whatever the outcome is, it has to be a God outcome, right? And so we could trust him with that. And so I entered this fast, not as, oh, we're going to fast. I am kind of excited. I'm excited because I, what I experienced even just last fall, I'm excited for us to experience that in our own personal growth. But I'm also excited to see what kind of creative stuff God might kind of encourage us to move toward as a church and as individuals. And so we encourage you to join us and just, just see what God does. I think it's going to be fun.